0: everybody. You're kicking it with the Homeboys and the Homeboys Podcast, where we talk everything in the world of real estate investing. Whether you're just getting started or a seasoned vet, we're going to give you our over 40 years of combined real estate experience to help you on your investing journey. Today, we've got a very fun topic. We are talking about tenant horror stories, things that have happened to the homeboys, mistakes that have been made, and things that we could have done to overcome them. It's not always sunshine and rainbows out there in the world of real estate investing, is it, Scotty?
1: It's not. We're going to talk about some stories because they could be applicable to just about anyone listening that owns real estate. And we're second going to cover the most important part, which is some of the tips that we have learned over the years on how to prevent these things. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, good. This is this, a fun one. This is fun because these stories, as much as they're going to be crazy and entertaining, there's also some things that people can learn, you know, if you're listening to this, because you're going to pick up some things that we've learned the hard way. And these stories are going to point out just how hard it is. Everything from a house floating down the down the street, basically, after, uh, what, 50 swimming pools worth of water could was used in one month, to uh, somebody using a sawzall to just take all the doors and windows out of a house. So these are entertaining and very interesting things that have happened in our careers. But there's also a lot of really good lessons that we want to share with people so that they don't have these things happen to them.
0: I think it's good to, to let everybody know because when you, whenever you're learning about real estate investing – you see a lot of the positives. Mm-hmm. You always say, oh, you, you do this and it's a great investment and you know, cash flow this and cash flow that. Well, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Things happen. Yeah. Some bad things happen.
1: We talk a lot about how our whole job is to take the suck out of real estate for our clients. It's not that real estate is easy and everybody can just get rich overnight with it. No, real estate is a good wealth builder, but at the same time, it's difficult. It is bumpy. It is hands on. And if you're not willing to uh, face these things, you need to make sure that you work with a team that has the experience and that knows how to deal with some of these nightmare stories. You know, I, I think the biggest nightmare story, too, is the first one that we're going to talk about, which was your. Uh, triplex. It
0: was a duplex.
1: Duplex. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah,
0: this is this is a this is an incident that uh, we've actually showcased on a lot of our uh, short form content that uh, always gets a lot of a uh, lot of reaction.
1: Oh, TikTok loves this story.
0: They love it. We've we've had millions of views on this, and it's it's there's a lot to be learned from it. So a little backstory. I owned a duplex, and. Uh, This particular duplex was in a pretty decent uh, part of town, but uh, there was an upstairs unit and a downstairs unit, both pretty good size, and I started to get some really giant water bills. And this property only had one water meter. The water meter was paid for by the owner, which was me. Um, We had one particular tenant that, uh, that was always behind in the rent. Mm-hmm. You know, really struggled to stay caught up. Had another tenant that was, was fabulous, was in there for a very long time. But the upstairs tenant was constantly behind. Um, about the time the collection effort started uh, to come in, I started getting water bills for the place.
1: Well, let me pause you there real quick because I know I wasn't involved at this time with this property. This was yours personally, but I know the grace that you showed the tenant that was behind. I know what you did. I know how you helped, helped her um, Every you know, opportunity, yeah, waiving rents, helping her get caught up, doing all of these amazing things. I felt like above and beyond what any landlord should be expected to do.
0: Could have charged giant late fees, never charged a late fee. Right, you know, always was working with her. um But you know, there's there's a point in time when you're a property owner that you have to start getting serious about you know collection efforts. And you know, you get two, three months behind, and communication starts to uh, to dissipate you've got to get a little bit more serious. And it was never really that forceful, but about the time, you know, the collection efforts were picking up, um, you know, for me and, and the team started getting these water bills. 1,000, 1100, 1200, I think even up to $1400 uh for water bills. Went through this whole um back and forth with the water company, um and with contractors because the water company said well you had to you know, ch- it must be a leak, you have a toilet, you know, running you know nonstop, and i thought that that seemed kind of weird because i ran the numbers you know i I even googled you know what Mm -hmm. the average residential swimming pool you know held and you look at the water usage and i think it you know it was it was over 10 residential swimming pools full of water and you know they said well it's got to be a leak and i was like well The house would be floating down the the road if it was actually a leak. We're talking about substantial amounts of water here. Sent contractors out. There was no leaks. um, Ended up uh, going over to the property multiple times. But on one trip, I could hear the water running inside the upstairs unit and waited several hours. Tenant came home, spoke to the tenant. And, um, you know, it was posed that it was, a, you know, an accident. But, you know, come to find out she was running the water in every sink and shower in the unit while she was gone at work in order to spite me, the property owner, um, to make me pay these giant water bills because she was upset that I guess she wasn't paying her rent. And you know, we, we had
1: collection efforts going on. How dare you try to collect rent? How dare you?
0: I you know I I don't I don't get it. I mean there's always a lot of, of pushback uh, with landlords in general but you know this tenant and every tenant that we have agrees to to a lease that we don't force them to sign. You know the, the the this is the rent amount and you know we're very good with not raising rents you know within our business um but you know you you can't always safeguard against um you know, insanity. No. And this was complete insanity.
1: No, there's terrible landlords out there that give landlords a, land, a, a bad name, but I know for a fact that you fall into the uh, compassionate landlord category where you care about these these tenants and the tenants, a lot of the tenants care about us back because we have a good long-term relationship with them. And once in a while, even if you are a great landlord, you're going to get a bad tenant. It's just the way it is. And, and for tenants out there, once in a while, you're going to get a terrible landlord too. We get it. It's on both sides, but... As a landlord, you should still act as, as compassionately and set up your business in a way that works for long-term win-wins for both. But these things will still happen. And again, we're going to talk about some ways that you can help present them, prevent these things from happening. But some of this stuff will just happen. Um, we, I had a house where it's not even a tenant. So it's not just tenants you have to be scared of. I had a house that was in a really, really bad part of town. And I was going through what we call the cycle of death, which is I would fix it up, put a tenant in there. The tenant wouldn't pay. I would evict, and then I'd have to fix it up again. And then I'd put a tenant in there. The tenant wouldn't pay. I'd have to fix it up again. Put a tenant in there. Ooh, the cycle of death. Over and over (laughs) and over. And finally, I'd had enough, so I put a sign for sale in the yard. That night, when when the neighborhood could see that the home was for sale and vacant, they went over there and sawzalled all of the doors and windows out. Now, I don't think people understand what damage that does to a house. It's not just removing the doors and windows. You're cutting into the frame of the house. Okay, it
0: hurt the structure
1: a great yeah. deal. The house was a total loss, total loss. And these are the things that can happen. Now, I had insurance, so I came out whole. And I'm fine with that but there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on there besides tenants that can happen to you. And it doesn't, in some cases, it doesn't matter how great your tenant is at the beginning because life happens. People lose their jobs. You've got a a, a tenant who had an amazing job. Um, This was like 15 years ago. You had an amazing tenant and he lost his job and things went south really quick. And he worked for a famous, famous singer, good old Britney Spears.
0: We did, you know. It was, um, you know. I I remember, you know, everything about the uh, the situation where it was. You know, she had, you know, many bodyguards on staff at that time. This is really the height of her career, and it was one very interesting to see, like how well um, these celebrity bodyguards, you know, were paid. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, very good tenant, really, really nice guy. Um, But, uh, but yeah, then a situation happened. you know, there was some lifestyle changes with him, you know, Britney Spears, and, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know we'll commit, you know, comment on it because I know she right. she had some hard times during that mm-hmm. time. but
1: She had her haircut like me.
0: She did. She did. That was during that time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I I don't take mental health lightly. I know no. that there was a lot of serious things, you know, going on. Um, and there. she's back anyway. Correct.
1: She's made Correct. it through it. Stronger than ever.
0: Absolutely. But, uh, but anyhow, she had let a lot of her staff go, and – um this particular tenant just got on a bad path and started uh breeding pit bulls out of the house. It's a really nice house. Um north side of Indy here, great great neighborhood. Um and anyhow, I eventually had to go over to the house and I was a little bit worried um because we had gotten a um, a call from Child Protective Services that a door-to-door salesman had went over and noticed that the house was in really, really poor condition. Well, I wanted to do a property tour, but I was conscious of the fact that this guy was, uh, you know, martial arts expert and you know could really rip me in half mm-hmm. if he wanted to. And Six foot economy. five,
1: two hundred and fifty pounds of straight muscle.
0: Correct. And, and then, but anyhow, I, I hired uh, my own bodyguard to accompany me through through the house, um, you know, long story short, you know, it was, it was very painful to watch because, um, you know, the guy was, the tenant was there and he was heartbroken by the whole thing. He was actually in tears Yeah, and, you know, my heart went out to him and I, I know how people can get off on the, on the wrong path, but, uh, the house was, was basically a complete, uh, loss also. I mean, there wasn't a two foot area inside of the house that wasn't covered in dog urine yeah. or, uh, dog poop. And, you know, learned like how exceptionally difficult it is to treat a home that has been completely saturated in, in animal feces and animal urine. I mean, it was like literally impossible, Yeah, you know, to get the, get the smell on this was like, like you said, 15 um, years ago. And I think even at that time it was approaching $30,000, uh, to rehab the house. Right. Um, we had to cut out drywall because the dogs had saturated the drywall. It was just, it was a really, really bad experience. Yeah. Just
1: on a, a side note, it's amazing how hard it can be to get the pet urine out of houses. You and I flipped a house. It was kind of a high end home, not a typical rental, but mm-hmm. it was just a flip we did for fun that um, the flooring company beat our contractors to the ceiling and replacement of the underlayment flooring. And so we had, what, $10,000 worth of flooring put in over yeah. a stench that would never go away. Correct. That was a very expensive, you know, No, so You walk mistake. into the house
0: and you first see the house and it looked beautiful. We'd done a lot of high-end finishes. And then you, you know, you, you smell what's actually going on in the house. And, like, you start going down that, that rabbit hole of trying to figure it out. You know, like how to get uh, how to get the smell out. That was a good catch. Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it was very uh, very challenging with with pets. You got to be very careful.
1: Yeah, and and again, tenants tenants can be you know, the best part of owning real estate. And I mean that it sounds weird, but the relationships you can build and having a good tenant in a house changes your whole financial future. If you get a great tenant that stays and you guys take care of each other, you, they take care of your house. You take care of them. You're not trying to get in their pocket. You're trying to be fair, but there's things that happen that are out of your control too, that your maintenance team can really upset tenants accidentally. You know, you are dealing with their home, where they live. And at the same time, they are living in one of your biggest investments, something that's incredibly important. So emotions can be high in these situations on both sides. We had a tenant that, that um, actually threatened to uh up the office with a gun. And why was that, Clint?
0: So the tenant called in, it was during uh, the week, um, our emergency maintenance line, and said the water heater is not working. So there was no hot water. It was all, all cold. It was uh, approaching midnight whenever she called um, our office. Um, you know, the hot water is, is technically not an emergency um, item. You know, emergency item would be, you know, you have a major electrical out, outage and, you know, you, you have no power to the home. You don't have a working toilet. If it's, uh, no heat in the know, winter, no heat in the winter, no AC when it's exceptionally hot right. outside. And when it's non-emergency, those items are handled the next business day.
1: And to be clear, these items are not made up by me and Clint on, on what's considered an emergency. These are by statute and each state ha- has it clearly spelled out. So you want to be aware of those in, in your state.
0: Correct. So, um, While, long story short again, when when we had our maintenance team actually at the property to fix it, it was, um, you know, mid-morning, and while they were there to fix the water heater, at that time, she had come to the office and was banging um, on the the door. She had a gun on her. Um, We had to call the police all the while, while she's uh, just being, you know, a lunatic and just you know, just not, that's just a really stupid thing to do. Her problem was getting fixed at the exact same time.
1: Right. She had to go eight hours without uh, hot water and she's bringing a gap up to the, up to the office to threaten the women who work here.
0: And it happened to be during a time when um, all of us guys were, weren't in the office. We were out in the field for whatever reason. And, you know, we have uh, quite a few um, ladies that work here and yeah, it 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 sucked. It really yeah. um, it really hurt us to know that um, you know they were in harm's way. Right at that time, and it was a very expensive rental property. That um, yeah, you know, just absolutely uncalled for situation.
1: This is kind of a sidebar, but it's something you and I really you know pr- preach a lot about, which is treat your pro- property managers with great respect. It's a it's an incredibly difficult business to do. It's also not the most thing. It's, it's kind of actually the, the most thankless job there is in, in America. And Clint and I own properties outside of the state of Indiana, and we've owned lots of properties over the years outside of where we live. And we hire property managers to handle our stuff out of the state. Could we do it ourselves from afar? Easily. But we believe in somebody else handling that who's a local expert, who knows how to handle the deals, and there's a lot of reasons. And we treat those property managers like you wouldn't believe they are so important to us because we know what they have to deal with. So no matter where your property is, just keep in mind, these are the people that are on your side. And if you don't have a property manager who you feel like has your best interest and is on your side, you need to swap and go to a new one. But once you're with somebody who cares, who is your partner in this, who is taking care of your largest investment, you treat them like gold because they're doing the hard work for very little money. And if it's done right, it means success for you for a very long time. So just uh hug a property manager today. Well
0: said. Well go, said. Go out and hug a property I manager like hugs. today.
1: I'll take a hug. <laughs> <laughs> I love hugs. <laughs> your your girls gave me so many hugs at that wedding the other uh Clara just yeah. kept coming over in the middle of food yeah, and we giving me hugs. We had it was a, amazing.
0: A, a colleague that got married this past week
1: and uh, it was pretty awesome. It was it was a fantastic <laughs> wedding. Bryce here behind the camera and behind the microphones here running this our producer. He DJed the whole thing. It was awesome.
0: It was such a good time. Man. Yeah,
1: he said he was stressed out a little bit because he he actually instead of partying and dancing like the rest of us, he actually had responsibilities. <laughs> That's right, but it was That's a right. beautiful wedding. Very it was beautiful. a lot of fun. So let's talk about how to prevent them. Okay. You know, because this is very important and there is no silver bullet with this. Bumps are going to happen. Again, Clint and I believe that having a good property management team is all about taking the suck out of real estate. The suck will still be mixed in there, but don't go into this thinking that, uh, you know, these gurus that you see on TV that real estate, you can make millions and it's easy. It's not easy. It's hard. Can you build wealth through this? Absolutely. Is it going to be bumpy? Yeah. So what it's part of what it is. And if you hire the right team, the bumpy doesn't matter to you. You know, in the end it's baked in, you know, you, you know how to calculate some, uh, a, a little bit of set aside for things like deferred maintenance and vacancies. So you've already got this baked in. We know it's going to happen. It doesn't change our returns because we already know we're going to plan on it. But one of the ways that we avoid this, that more me in my early career than Clint is, I went real low end when I first got into the business, and if you want a good way to give yourself every headache we mentioned plus about a thousand more, it's to buy junk properties in junky areas. On paper, those properties look amazing; they look like they'll have great returns.
0: So this would go into your house, getting the windows and doors being sawzalled out, correct? Um, and you said it the best. You know the numbers on some of these, um, you know areas that aren't as, uh, you know, as, you know, that are more a crime that are um, a little bit more, you know, I don't know, just, just stuck in a bad spot. And you know what the areas are. People know what we're talking about, mm-hmm. that they look good on paper. And that is so deceptive because you can't find a good quality tenant. Yes. If everything were to go right and somehow you found a tenant in that area that was actually performing um, and wasn't entitled. Yes. It, It will work, but that is so rare. When you're talking about these properties in bad areas, it is almost impossible to make it work over the long term or even the short term. It just doesn't work. So, you know, you really got to be careful about uh, these returns that you may or may, you know, that you may see on paper that you think, oh, this is a a cash cow. Mm -hmm. It's not. It just just doesn't work.
1: And now more than ever, because here's the difference now versus say 10 years ago, 15 years ago was in these bad areas, you could buy houses at such a deep discount that it made it really, really, really hard to resist. Now we're talking about selling properties for, we just did a property showcase on a property for $120,000 in an awesome area in a really cool neighborhood outside of this danger stuff. So why are you going to go into the ghetto and spend 90? You know, it used to be you could buy those for five grand. Now the stuff in the bad areas is overpriced anyway. But even if it wasn't overpriced.
0: Yeah. Even at five grand, it doesn't
1: work. It doesn't. So just be real careful with where you buy. We talk about it all the time, good properties in good areas. I know that's a very vague way to describe it, but if you're talking about across the nation, it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly what you look for, you know, because just saying, well, it has to be in the best school districts. Well, a lot of the times the houses in the best school districts don't have good returns and do not make the best markets to invest in. We live in, Clint and I both live in these right next to each other in these two uh, town cities that are right next to each other in Indianapolis. They're kind of the two, I'd say, wealthiest areas for Indianapolis and they have the best schools. Do they make good investment? In this area, no, we don't own any investment properties. We manage very
0: few, also. Yeah, just a
1: and they're situational ones. It's where somebody moved out of their house and wants to keep it. Which kudos to them. It's beautiful, great, great thing to do. But so there's not a clear way that I can sit here and tell you. Well, here's what you do: you find the one with the schools at this and the crime rate at this. No, this is just about avoiding the worst of the worst areas and being in good suburban areas where you could send your mom at night. That's how we put it. If you would send your mom there at night to go knock on that door and talk to the tenant, then that's the kind of area that we would invest in. Next. Great benchmark. Next up, this is probably the most important part, and this is one that Clint um, still is involved in here, which blows my mind. I think he enjoys it, but it's the tenant screening.
0: I screen every single tenant that comes
1: through. (laughs) That comes through our management system. Keep in mind, we have we manage over a thousand properties, a thousand, and he still screens every single tenant. It's just
0: one of those things that I don't. I don't want to let go. You know, I we've we've got leasing agents that I know are motivated to get people in there. Mm-hmm. I don't want them approving them. Um, you know, I want to be the one that that has that final say. So, because ultimately, if our clients aren't making money, we aren't making money. So, our tenant screening process is is very detailed. We do a criminal background check. Um, we do a national eviction check. Uh, we do a credit check. We verify. Uh, their employment, and we also verify their past uh, residency. Um, You know, you couple all of those together, put all those together, um, you know, generally you have a pretty good feel for who you're placing, Mm -hmm. um, in your properties. You know, right now we've got such little inventory um, really across, you know, our, our service area. You know, finding good quality tenants isn't that difficult. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I, I just got done running a, a credit application before we started filming today, um, and a twelve hundred dollar a month property. We had a seven hundred ninety four um, credit score that came, that, that came in. That Jeez. gets to be pretty pretty easy decision whenever somebody has no criminal background and has a seven hundred ninety four credit yeah. score. Just literally just happened just a just a little bit ago. Um, but you know, I take it very very seriously because, like I said, if it doesn't behoove anyone to get a bad tenant in there and then get them out and go through periods of vacancy. You know, we're looking for our clients to take their next steps in real estate and continue those steps, continue that path forward. And if you're placing um, average or below average tenants in there, that's going to halt their investment uh, portfolio. It's not going to grow. You know, we want to, we want to find the best possible tenant. And like I said, if, if, if there's a tenant not, not paying uh, their rent in a property. We're not making money either.
1: And let me bust one myth that's out there that I don't know why it exists, but a tenant is not somebody who can't afford to purchase a home. Now, is that a a part of the tenant pool? Yeah. But It's, it's almost 30% of tenants are tenants by choice. Now, maybe they're living in an area where, uh, they're going to be there for a job temporarily, say, you know, under a decade and they don't want to invest and lay down their roots there. Um, there's a lot of reasons. My mom, she should not own at her age. You know, it's just, there's a lot of tenants out there that have amazing credit that are financially sound that are tenants by choice for many reasons. So
0: we saw a lot of tenants uh, over the last couple of years uh, because they cashed in their, their primary residence because real estate values went up so much and they stood to make so much money from the appreciation. We saw this whole new um, pool of tenants you know, come into the market that were like exceptionally qualified, exceptionally mm-hmm. qualified just because they decided to cash in on the big uptick in real
1: estate. Heck yeah, we had a few people who, who wanted to uh, pay their entire years up front you know, when they would sign a lease, they just wanted it out of the way.
0: That makes it a pretty easy decision. Yes, it
1: does. Especially if they have a good credit right. and uh, no criminal record Correct. and they're trying to hand you a stack of cash, but just don't be scared that, that you're just because you were going to get into real estate, that that means you're going to be dealing with, uh, this tenant class of people that is, that is lower, uh, than you. First of all, nobody's lower than anybody else, but as far as tenants go, There's tenants that are wealthier than, than most, uh, many of us investors. So I don't, it's, it's not based on, uh, income. We have some famous, we've already mentioned, you know, we had somebody's bodyguard, but we've had some very famous people who you've seen on TV, uh, as, as tenants, um, not anymore. One of them's a basketball announcer who everybody listening to this would know he was a tenant. These are really tenants. Just
0: a sweetheart of a guy. Like what an amazing, what an amazing person
1: for sure. For sure.
0: Very strong faith, you know, as an author, you know, he's all over, you know, basketball, pro and college.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Special guy. Heck, we had the district attorney in charge of real estate, in charge of real estate fraud and catching people who do bad stuff as one of our tenants for a long time. You know, it's, it's tenants don't have to be a scary thing for you. You know, tenants are not maybe what most people think they are. These are you know, these, they, they're across the board just like everybody else. Let's
0: talk about the utilities for a second. Okay. Because I know we, we kind of started off with, uh, you know, a very popular story, you know, amongst, uh, you know, our, our short-form content. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty common in multifamily to see the one water meter. You know, and it's scary, you know, with, with having one water meter. You know, I really recommend that if you're able to separate out, um, you know, all utilities to do so. But if you can't, there are also devices that you can put on individual units that monitor, you know, the water usage that
1: didn't exist back. then. It did not exist w- back then. We actually were approached to to somebody wanted to sponsor this the podcast you all are listening to right now from a, a water meter company that that does exactly that. They install these really cheap devices that can monitor that and and uh, alert you to it. So
0: water is really the only is the only exception. I'd never ever, ever recommend, you know, getting in a situation where you're paying, you know, for, you know, gas and electric,
1: right.
0: You know, every now and again, there's a, there's a unique situation that it may be okay. But in general, you know, I just really recommend, you know, avoiding that because if they're not paying for uh, their electric, you know, it's very common that you go in the, in the dead of summer here, you know, it's a hundred degrees with full humidity, you know, if they're not paying for their electrics, they're gonna have their thermostats at sixty five. Yeah, you and I own
1: some apartment buildings, some uh that we've uh done value adds to they were built in 1900s and we we gutted them and made them amazing but there was no way to really move the meters for the electric no matter what we wanted to do it was just price prohibitive and uh you want to talk about really nice crispy cool on a hot day apartments go over there where we're paying their electric bill you know it's 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 a phenomenon same
0: goes you know in the in the winter time you know we have brutally cold winters and if if the tenants aren't responsible for their utilities i mean hey, let's let's just run the furnace you right. know like you know 75 yeah um so i i really i really caution you know caution that
1: one other thing that you can do that's important and that's baked into our property management and how we do it is inspections. How often you do those inspections is up to you. We do them twice a year. Um, that way you can see when even a, ba- uh, a an amazing tenant, if they have a situational change, say divorce, uh, I, I think they call it the three Ds, drug addiction, divorce, even death. death. And something else, Mm but, um, you know, situations change with people and amazing people go through hard times. So, you know, a, a great tenant can go through a hard time. And the way to catch that is through inspections, catch it early, you know, start to understand what's going on there and get ahead of it. Those inspections are incredibly important. And I um, of-
0: recommend four month and then prior to lease renewal. Yeah. Four month it allows a tenant to have been in the property for a while, live there, see how they're living, see how they're treating your place. You don't want to do it, you know, the second week because they haven't had enough time to, to, to settle yeah. in. And then lease uh, renewal time, you want to know, uh, do we want this tenant to continue to stay in our house?
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a great way. You want to you want to make sure that your property manager has eyeballs on the property they're managing. Most of them will charge you a little fee for it because of course it takes time and effort and costs money. Um, you know, they don't they don't uh, run their business on the word thanks. They they actually have to pay somebody and use gas to get out to those properties. But it's pretty uh, inexpensive and something that you should definitely do. Another thing we learned learned the hard way. So we had this this weird thing happen. This is the last last story that I'm going to quickly tell and tell you what we did to overcome this, which is we had these, these shysters, these, uh, these thieves who would go out and take a hammer and knock off our lock boxes, steal the key or change the locks and put their own key in there and then advertise our property for rent using the pictures they got from our websites on eBay for about half of what we were. And they would get a tenant immediately. Because you're talking about you know, renting a $1,500 a month house, and they're putting it on eBay for 500 bucks. And they would rent it out almost immediately. Some sucker would come, sign a lease, give them two months plus a security deposit, and then they'd run off. And we'd go out there and say, I'm sorry, but you do not have a right to this house. You, you got taken advantage of. And the way that we found the best way to, to stop this before it starts was to watermark all of our photos. these little steps that you'll need to do. Now keep in mind, most of you listening to this, when you invest in real estate, you're not going to be managing your own properties. You're going to have experts doing it, wherever that is. And they will almost certainly know all of these little tricks to do and steps and hacks to make sure that uh, your property returns the way it should. But if you're going to be doing it yourselves, this is a steep learning curve, things like that. Who would have thought? Watermarking all your photos. Never would have thought we have to watermark every photo, but these are the things you have to do to prevent things before they happen.
0: And if you're a prospective tenant to avoid that situation, if it sounds too good to be true and like drastically too good to be true, like Scott's, um, you know, situation where he said fifteen hundred dollars a month and it's being advertised for five hundred, it's probably not true. If someone is is telling you to go, just go to the property and look in the windows and see if you like it you know, or, um, you know, send me the money and I'll just leave the key keys in the mailbox. These are all things that we have seen, mm-hmm. you know, be very, very cautious of that. You know, another thing you do is go to Google and type the property in. It's probably being advertised at a much higher rate by a legitimate property management company. Yeah.
1: And if it's a prince from Nigeria that owns it, you're definitely, definitely not running it from the right person.
0: Correct. So just be very cautious. There's a lot of shysters out there. Yeah. It's been fun, man. I like, uh, Talking about these previous uh, experiences, we've we we grew up through the school of hard knocks, and yeah. you gotta you gotta learn and evolve.
1: Well, we learned all this stuff the hard way. It's fun to sh- be able to share it in hopes that other people won't have to go through these same lessons the way that that we did, and and have to uh, lose money learning learning a lot of these things. So,
0: but keep in mind, we still believe in the power of real estate investing. It is our jobs to educate our listeners, that it's not always sunshine and rainbows. There are situations that come out. You hear a lot of how easy it is to do it. It is a great way to to build wealth. Scotty and I have done it. We've helped many, many hundreds, if not thousands of people do this themselves, but there are bumps and it's important that you're aware of it. We really appreciate you joining us today. If uh, you want to see some of our exclusive videos, check out our TikTok. At the Homeboys Podcast. We're blowing up. We had 10 million views last week on TikTok. That's right. A lot you're, of people it. You're a star, it. man. I'm just happy to be here with you. I'm just happy
1: that you allowed me to you come know, along with you. You and I are TikTok famous.
0: <laughs> well, we enjoy doing it. We're here to provide great quality content for anyone that's wanting to get into real estate investing. Till next time, homies. Happy investing.